Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. All right, the heart of Christmas, we are getting into that today and on Christmas Eve. And as we uh, find Isaiah chapter 9 in your copy of God's Word, and of course you also have some handouts that you received, or you can go to our digital version of those handouts as well and uh, follow along and take some notes in the message. But I just need to know, this has been itching at me all week, I just need to know what is your favorite Christmas TV show or movie? Now, I know there's tons of options out there, but I'm going to give you five to choose from this morning. All right, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, White Christmas, Charlie Brown, Elf, or the Star Wars Holiday Special. I know that's not technically Christmas, but it just needs some love. It's like the worst movie TV show ever made, and it just needs some love. Now, I need to get some feedback from you, so many of you know what's coming. Take out your phones and go to slido.com. S-L-I-D-O.com, or some of you have already downloaded the app from previous uh, iterations. When you get to Slido.com, simply put in the event code 1742340. I need to hear from you, and I know Elf is going to get at least one vote because my sister-in-law is sitting right over there, and that's her favorite movie of all time. So, that said, I need you to vote, and we're going to just find out for real, because this is a very scientific poll, of course. We need to find out what the ultimate Christmas TV show or movie is. You got about 10 more seconds, all right? 10, 9, 8, hope you're finding it. Evidently, Rudolph, nobody likes Rudolph. Shame on you, all right? 9, 8, 7, 6, a few more votes coming in. 4, 3, 2, 1, and son of a nutcracker, it is Elf. Yes, Elf is our favorite Christmas movie. Now, I'm a little sad because uh, my favorite is Charlie Brown. I just, maybe it's just me. When I was a little kid, I used to watch Charlie Brown. But one of the reasons I like Charlie Brown is because that's where right in the middle of the entire show, Charlie Brown's getting very frustrated with all the commercialism and all the distractions in the Christmas season, and he finally just throws his hands up and says, isn't there somebody who knows what Christmas is all about? And then Linus steps up and he takes center stage, and he recites from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. So yes, if no one else knows, at least Linus knows, and he culminates his reading with these words, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I think you and I both know that our world today is yearning for peace. I have a feeling you know that our, our world is groaning for peace, is it not? Globally, Russia and Ukraine have been fighting for almost two years. I read just this week that upwards of 87% of all of the Russian ground troops that initially started that war are gone. Gone. They've lost two-thirds of their tanks, and yet President Putin continues to throw his forces into the meat grinder in that war. Israel and Hamas, that's in the news as well over the last few months unspeakable atrocities of which many of us have heard. I was reading a story in Reuters uh, just this uh, week, recalling some of those things. Listen to this. This is from a Reuters article. Military forensic teams in Israel have examined the bodies of victims of Hamas attacks, communities around the Gaza Strip, and found multiple signs of torture, rape, and other atrocities. Around 1,300 bodies have been brought to an army base in central Israel, 
where forensic checks to determine the identity of the dead and the circumstances of their death are carried out by specialists. Rabbi Israel Weiss, chief rabbi for the Israeli army, said this, I quote, we've, we've seen dismembered bodies with their arms and feet chopped off, people that were beheaded, a child that was beheaded. We've seen severe stages of abuse, gunshot wounds, signs of pure torture. You say, Pastor, why are we talking about this? Man, this is Christmas. Because that's the world in which we live, friends. This world is groaning for peace. And if you think those are bad, you better keep an eye on China and Taiwan. All right? Because for the last 70 years, China has been trying to reclaim the island of Taiwan for itself. And uh, there's a lot of overtures that, that are indicating that could happen in the near future. In fact, my brother who has sailed in the Western Pacific for over 40 years, either with the U.S. Navy or the Merchant Marine. I talked to him just a few weeks ago, and he said, I've been sailing these waters for 40 years. I'm seeing things over there I've never seen before in terms of military preparation, endless war games going on, China trying to seize more and more international waters in vicinity of the island of Taiwan. I'm telling you, if China moves on Taiwan, it will make Israel and Hamas and Ukraine and Russia look like, a, look like child's play. It will be a bloody, bloody affair. Our world yearns for peace. I think that's why the writer of the classic Christmas carol, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, which incidentally was, was written right in the middle of our bloody civil war back in the 1860s. One of the verses says, And in despair I hang my head. There is no peace on earth I said for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill toward men that's globally what about locally I mean even even in our own homes is there friction in your home is there friction in your marriage are you the parent of a teenager here are you a teenager who has parents are you at perfect peace in your home if you are you're probably in the minority right I mean, we need peace in our homes and in our hearts as well. How many of you are struggling with something? Oh, I know, you come to church and you have a smile on your face. How's it going? Oh, we're having a great week. But inside, you are going through hell. And there's something burdening your heart. Some of you, this is your first Christmas without a, a parent, a spouse, God forbid, a child. There, 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 are, there are burdens in people's hearts today, and we have come looking for peace. It's the heart of Christmas, right? I mean, in fact, I would even go so far as to say you can't spell Christmas without P-E-A-C-E. We need peace in our lives. We need peace in our world. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. Famous passage prophesying the coming of the Prince of Peace, beginning in verse 1, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and of the uniforms bloodstained by war with all, will all be burned. They will be fuel for fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince 
of peace. I want to share with you a couple things this morning. First of all, as we look at Isaiah chapter 9, we, we want to consider God's peace promised. God's peace promised. Specifically, as we've already said, Isaiah chapter 9 is a, is a promise, a prophecy of, of the coming Son of God, the Prince of Peace. Let me unpack that for you for just a moment, okay? Isaiah chapter 9. Where, where is Zebulun? Where is Naphtali? Where, where is Galilee of the Gentiles anyway? Well, geographically, it's in the northern part of Israel. And understand this, when Isaiah was on the scene, Israel was actually split up into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom, which officially was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was officially called Judah. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And all of the regions mentioned in this passage, Naphtali, Zebulun, Galilee of the Gentiles, was in the north. Now understand this also about the two kingdoms. In the southern kingdom in Judah, you had a series of kings. Some of them were good, and some of them were really, really bad. I mean, they, they disobeyed God, they sacrificed to idols, and on and on and on. That's the southern kingdom. Some were good, some were bad. In the north, every single king was B-A-D, bad. They were, they were full of darkness, full of sin, full of disobedience to God, and because of that, God thrust them into darkness. Look at the end of chapter 8. If you have a Bible there, look at the end of chapter 8. The last verse, it says they will be thrust into darkness. And God did that as by way of punishment. He brought a foreign army, the Assyrian army, into that northern kingdom to steamroll those people and to punish and chastise them for their wickedness and for their sin. That's what he means when he says they were thrust into darkness. And yet, there's good news. Because in spite of the sin, in spite of the rebellion, in spite of the disobedience, God said, the people who walked in darkness, what? Will see a great light. Zebulun, Naphtali, Galilee of the Gentiles. They will see in spite of the sin. That's the gospel. That's the good news. In spite of the wickedness, they will see light. You say, yeah, but Pastor Phil... You said that this is talking about Jesus. I don't see Jesus anywhere in that passage. I don't see the name Jesus anywhere. Watch how this works. Matthew chapter 4. This is right after he gets tempted by the devil. He, de he defeats the, the devil through, through, a, through just resistance to the devil and all the rest. God, God aids him. And then Jesus begins his ministry. Watch this. Jesus went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of, oh, look at this, Zebulun and Naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Watch this. And the land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali, and the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God sent, listen, God sent Jesus, and a lot of people have argued that the reason why Jesus started his ministry in the north, not in the south, was a reminder to the people that God comes to the worst people first. How many of you are the worst people? Are you willing to admit it? Jesus didn't come to you when you were at your best. Jesus comes to you when you are at your worst. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his, his love for us in that while we were yet sinners at our very worst, Christ died for us. The people who have walked in darkness, every single one of you has walked in darkness. I have walked in darkness of my own doing. 
These people in, in the north, they were not victims, except for maybe from self-destructive behavior. And God sent his son to the worst region first. And into that darkness, God shone his light. God brought the prince of peace. That's God's peace promised. But now let's talk about God's peace delivered. God's peace delivered. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. You're trying to tell me that the Prince of Peace came to this world 2,000 years ago and he was supposed to bring all this peace? Where is it? I'm not seeing it. I mean, you just, you just give us a litany of all these wars and rumors of wars in the world. I mean, where's the peace? Remember the old commercial, where's the beef? Where's the peace? Well, let me tell you about that. Let me tell you about how God has delivered his peace. First of all, the most important peace that you could ever have, that this world could ever have, is peace with God. Peace with God. So a few minutes ago, I talked to you about wars and rumors of wars. China, Taiwan, Israel and Hamas, Russia and Ukraine. But I'm telling you, you need to know this. The warfare that takes place in the heart of a person without Jesus Christ, the warfare that's opposing them to God, the enmity, makes all of that look like nothing. The warfare in the heart of a, of a man or woman without Jesus Christ, they are at war with God. Before you came to Jesus Christ, you were at war with God, whether you realized it or not. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to this. Romans chapter 8. The mind of a lost person is at war with God because they refuse to submit to God. Therefore, they cannot please God. You talk about open warfare. And how about James chapter 4? Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And yet Jesus came. And I love the songs that we sang this morning, not just talking about the fact that Jesus came, but came to do what? To bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to die on a cross that we wouldn't have to suffer eternal torment and separation from God. That's why Jesus came, to bring us peace with God. Now, look at this. Romans 5, verse 1. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? You know, one of the things in the passage we read, and you can see it on your handout as you reference back to it in Matthew chapter 4, is that when Jesus came, he came and he began to preach, turn from your sin, believe in God, turn to God. God's peace is available for everybody, but it's not automatic. Just because you've come to Crossgate Church today does not necessarily mean you have the peace of God. Have you trusted Christ has there been a time in your life when you have personally received Jesus Christ? I'm so thrilled. We've got some young people being baptized after this service out in our mall area. And they'll share testimonies of how they have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord, and now they're making this public profession of faith. If you've never been saved, I pray that you are standing right out there to hear those testimonies and to understand that the same thing is available to you. Peace with God. That's the first and, and most important peace that you could ever experience. Here's the second one, peace in life. Peace in this life. How many of you are fighting internal battles right now? Dealing with challenges, dealing with burdens, circumstances. You, you, you're feeling overwhelmed. How do, we, how do we get peace in the midst of all of that? And you know, as I was reading this Isaiah chapter 9 passage this week, 
Verse 5, I've read this passage dozens of times over the years. I've preached it before. But, but God directed me to verse 5 and reminded me of something that took place several years ago that, that really gave some context. Verse 5, he says that the boots, and I'm paraphrasing, the, the boots of the, of the invading army and, and, the, and the, the clothing that's bloodstained by war is going to be burned up. As, in other words, all of that stuff that represents this oppression and everything else, God's just going to burn it up. It's going to, it's going to go away. Here's why I thought about this. I was reminded this week of an episode that took place in Afghanistan, 2010, 2011 time frame. I was, I was over in Afghanistan with a unit in the Army called the 3rd Ranger Battalion. So we're talking about Army Rangers now. And on one particular mission, and we always went out at nighttime, so it, it's nighttime, they're going into this little building, and they typically were always going after some high value. I mean, these are big time dudes they're going after to kill or capture. And these rangers, this team of rangers is stacked up outside this building. And they go to enter the building. And one of the rangers, as soon as he entered the building, there was an enemy fighter literally in his face. I mean, so close. I mean, it's dark, but he's got his little night vision goggles down, and he can see a guy right there. He comes in the building, and boom, this guy is right on top of him. He's so close, he doesn't even have room to rotate his weapon around and shoot the guy and kill him. So he did what any army ranger would do at that, because this is kill or get killed now, okay? He, he comes in, this guy's right in his face, and this ranger just instinctively pulls his knife out of his kit and kills the guy. Multi, just, just what, again, this is whatever you have to do to, to, to survive at this point, right? And, and, and that's pretty brutal for even army ranger standards, okay? As you can imagine, that produces a lot of blood, a lot of blood. Um, I know a lot of us have field-dressed deer and so forth, and that, that can be kind of bloody too, but I mean, it's nothing like when you're standing right there face-to-face -face with another human being and, and, and you've got to do what you've got to do. Right? A, lot, a lot of blood. When that guy came off the objective that night, he was obviously very rattled. But li listen to this. His kit and his uniform was so bloody they just had to take it out and burn it. But I'll tell you, not only was that a practical step, that was also an emotional step too, wasn't it? Right? He, he, had, he had been right in the battle of his life, covered in blood, and they just had to take it out and burn it. Now think about verse 5 of Isaiah chapter 9. These people had been invaded, these people had known pain and bloodshed and all the rest, and God says, I'll tell you what, because of what I'm going to do, all of the fallout of, of the battle that, that you are facing, we're just going to take it out and just burn it up. Now, let me, let me contextualize that for where you're at today. Of course, I really don't know where you're at today. Only you and the Lord knows, really. But some of you here are facing battles. Some of you are right in the middle of a battle. I mean, you, you are in an emotional knife fight with, with some circumstances or some pain or, or some tragedy in your life. You need peace. You say, Pastor, I already know that. But where are you going to find it? Where are you going to find that kind of peace? I'll tell you where you can find it. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Look at this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm talking, this is, man, this is just, this is where the rubber meets the road in daily life, right? 
How about Philippians chapter 4? Look at this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. This is from the New Living Translation, by the way. And thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I tell you, there's been some times in my life when I was so desperate for peace and God delivered in ways that I couldn't even fully understand. Again, I don't know all of what's going on in your life, but I know that the Word of God is true and it shows itself time and time again to be, to, to be a wonderful, amazing, unbelievable source of peace. Peace in life. You need it, I need it. Here's another one. Peace with people. Peace between people. Have you ever had a relationship that was fractured? Have you ever had a friendship or, a, or maybe a family relationship that, that was fractured and splintered? A peace between people, maybe friends, maybe a, a former business associate. Right? There, there was a falling out of some kind, maybe, maybe there were was, there was some discrepancies, some, some lacks of integrity that was seen, whatever, and a former business associate no longer partnering together. Peace between people. How, how are we going to have that peace? Let, let me give you some scripture. Because at the end of the day, Jesus can deliver this kind of peace as well. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself peace begins with love and sometimes love is more important than whatever the grievance is the, the, the love helps us to see that, that in many cases the, the relationship means more than the grievance right? here's another one from Ephesians be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you that's a tall order, isn't it? How about Colossians? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now here's, here's the challenge, okay? Here, here, here's the challenge in reading this especially when we're, when we're applying it to very difficult situations in our lives. The challenge is this. We see this more as a self-help manual, and we say, okay, I'm going to try that. And when you try it on your own and it doesn't work, then you default back to this. Well, this is just who I am. Eh, this is just the way I am, right? You just, this is my personality. You just default back to just the way you've always done things because that didn't work. Friends, this is why I preach to you about the Spirit-filled life. Because without the Holy Spirit's power in and through you, that's not possible. The Christian life is not just hard, it's impossible. Without the Holy Spirit's power in you. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is what generates this peace in your heart that allows you to reconcile and be reconciled. God desires reconciliation with you. That's why he sent Jesus. And therefore, the Bible says we should desire reconciliation with others just as God desired it with us. Peace between people. Maybe that's your biggest need this Christmas, to be reconciled to someone where there's been a fractured relationship. But then here's one more. 
peace forever peace forever Yes, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, came on the scene 2,000 years ago. Theologians describe Jesus' coming and, 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 and the, 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 the existence and the history since then as, as, the, as the already and the not yet. Yes, Jesus has already come. He's already defeated uh, death, hell, and the grave in a sense. And yet, the, the not yet, there, there's coming a day when the peace that we yearn for on this earth will be a reality through Jesus Christ. Certainly one of the famous passages that, that depicts this and predicts this is Isaiah chapter 11. Listen to this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The wolf, now this is amazing, but it's going to happen. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Lord shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The old spiritual song used to say, ain't going to study war no more which is really a crazy thought when you think about it coming from a, a, a retired soldier like myself, that one day there's no longer going to be any need for armies and, and combat and, and wars. Why? Because the Prince of Peace. The old song says, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive journeys run. His kingdom spread from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. Revelation 21. Look at this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. The day is coming when this entire world will know the peace of God, the peace of Jesus Christ. But as I said a moment ago, and we're going to conclude with this, I want you to look at your handout one more time. That last verse in Matthew chapter 4 because I told you earlier in the message that peace with God is available to everyone Jesus died on the cross that you might have peace with God that you might be saved that you might have a personal relationship with God it's available but it's not automatic let that sink into your heart 
We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.